Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What it um, means to us, the ramifications, really, in all honesty, Paul is talking about the ramifications of what may have happened had Jesus Christ not risen. I feel absolutely no pressure this morning to try to add some flair or spin to anything because there's not a more powerful message in all the Holy Writ than the story of the resurrection. And so it doesn't need me to prop it up. It doesn't need me to spray paint it some flashy color. It's not gonna need LED blinking lights to make it more meaningful. Amen. I'm going to tell you today that this is the most powerful message in all of the Word of God, especially, especially in the life of Christendom, because it all hinges upon this one point, this one point, and that is the purpose and the principle behind what the Apostle Paul is sharing with us today. Now, as you know, we only have one service format versus what we normally do on Sunday, and that is have two services back to back. So in order to make everybody not feel like you're going to be shortchanged today, I'm going to preach about two hours. Because <laughs> we, we want everybody to leave happy. Amen? And I know that made some happy, but that just scared the thunder out of many. <laughs> out of many. Amen. I don't know if I've ever preached two hours in my life. Very close. Very close. But uh, let's just see what the Lord will do here today. Would you just go with us now? The book of 1 Corinthians 15, I think we did really lose a few on that one. <laughs> the book of 1 Corinthians 15 and 12, we're going to read several scriptures, so follow along with me if you will. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here, of course. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Verse 14, here are the ramifications. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For, the dead, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ. So this is not just affecting this generation. But he said, we're going to go back now. And he said, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. And you are yet in your sins. And then verse 18, and they also which are fallen asleep. That's another, that's another biblical phrase for having passed away. Those that have passed in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now 
is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Hallelujah. I want to draw my text today or my subject from verse number 14, if Christ be not risen. There are some serious ramifications to this had he not risen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Easter has become a wonderful spring celebration. My haven't we enjoyed some, especially for us Floridians, haven't we enjoyed some beautiful weather lately. I'm just scared to death that it's going to change in just a few days and we're going to wonder, we're going to have to have a dictionary to even look up the word cool just to see what it means. I have felt sorry for our northern friends. I know they have been under extreme duress. But my goodness, it's been refreshing to us, hasn't it? It's a wonderful time, spring celebration. It marks the inauguration of spring and with it the anticipation of many things. When winter becomes fall, when fall starts around the corner and then winter soon follows that, there is such a subtle change in the landscape that we rarely recognize that the leaves are falling and we rarely recognize the true barrenness of life until about this time of the year. When everything starts blooming again and all the green returns back, we're just reminded one more time of what a wonderful season this is. Beginning to see flowers and, and uh, it's just, just a neat to me. It's just one of my favorite times of the year. But the most significant about the most significant thing about this particular time of the year is not the fact that flowers are blooming or that the grass is turning green and the landscape is changing and coming back to life. But the most significant thing that we're talking about today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that's why we're here in worship today. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 14, Paul makes a very profound observation and that will be the center of what I want to talk about today. He just said, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain also. Or in other words, he said, we're in this thing together. That if, he, if Christ be not risen, then I have wasted my time. But furthermore, you have wasted your time. Paul goes on to describe the depressing reality of what life would have been like had Jesus Christ not risen from the dead. Without his resurrection, he said that life essentially would be hopeless. There, there are several implications that are made, and we're going to just take this verse by verse as we consider the importance of the resurrection. In verse number 14, he paints a very dreary picture when it said, if Christ be not risen, then what would be the consequences if that were true? What what would be the end result if that had been the case? What would be the implications for our lives? How would this affect us? It has far more to do than with just the nature of the songs we pick out for worship. It has far more ramifications than just that. But we are looking and considering today how this touches our life and how it brushes up against the heartstrings of each and every one of us. The first thing that we need to see that is in Christ, if he had not been raised, we have no faith. <clears throat> and I'm thankful for faith today. I'm very thankful for faith, that we have the privilege, the opportunity to exercise our faith. I know that we often talk about 
not, not, uh, not being presumptuous or arrogant, but I often think about in the season of crisis, whenever I have faith in God and I can go to him in prayer, I can go to his word for comfort and guidance and direction. I often think about what do people do that don't know the Lord, that don't know the power of prayer, they that have no faith, how much that would affect our lives if we didn't have faith. I know there's not many people here today that would stand up and boast of just having worlds of faith, but the Bible says that to every man he has given a measure of faith. So we all have some faith, and sometimes even when our faith is low, and even when our faith is not something we want to brag about, but I'm still thankful that I have hope and that faith. It may be small, but that measure of faith can be grown in my life when I turn to his word and I feel the words begin to refresh and restore my soul. The Christian faith rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mentioned this just a service or so ago and I'm thankful for the birth of Christ, the virgin birth, and we have just a few months ago celebrated that season and, and, uh, and, and recognized that Jesus Christ was born in a manger, born to a virgin Mary and, and Joseph. And what an incredible story, the life and the times of Jesus and how that at the age of 12 years old, he was just leaving adults spellbound as he spoke to them in the synagogue. And then as he moved into maturity in his earthly ministry, how that lives were all changed and, and uh, there were blind healed, there were deaf that, that received their hearing and there were, there were lame that took up their bed. There were actually people that were dead that were raised to life again and, and oh, how we rejoice in all of that. And we know all about the cross and, it, and the crucifixion and, and all of those things and, and then how he, 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 he boldly proclaimed that he would rise again. Amen. Here is what I'm saying today is that we come to this pinnacle of the resurrection. And this is the deal maker or the deal breaker. And I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious today, but I'm telling you that everything in the Christian faith rises and or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We find Peter on Pentecost proclaiming to the Jews that Jesus Christ, whom they crucified, had been raised from the dead. The apostles from Peter to Paul boldly proclaimed that the resurrection proved that Jesus Christ was not just raised from the dead, but this proves that he indeed was God manifested in flesh. Paul says, if Christ had been not raised, then our preaching has been in vain. No one wants to think about your life having been spent in vain. Nobody wants to think about that. You wouldn't want to think about your life's work just being reduced down to ash. Amen. So we wouldn't want to think about everything that we've done has just been for nothing. It's just been an exercise in futility as the technological world continues to advance and as storage devices uh, hold more and more information, but yet they themselves are smaller and smaller. I've shared this before, once or twice before, but I remember uh, shortly after these little thumb drives or jump drives came out, USB jump drives were introduced, and, and so I was backing up all of my sermons, all of my life's work, not just sermons that I preach, but sermons that I have in files that are to be worked on and ideas and illustrations, and I, and I backed all of that up and I pulled it all out, and my whole life's work would fit in the palm of my hand. It was kind of depressing. Kind of to, to think I could just 
slip this. <laughs> I could just slip this in my pocket and everything is, it's all right here. All right here. Amen. Just follow me now on my little pity party. We're going to have cake here in just a little while. <laughs> Paul said, if he is not risen from the dead, then everything we've done is in vain. It's, it, it's been for nothing. In other words, those that have proclaimed his resurrection have just done little more than waste their time. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just say, poor old pitiful me, that our preaching is in vain. But he also stated, but indeed your faith has also been in vain. He didn't it didn't just affect the preachers. It didn't just affect the lives of the apostles. But it also affected those that took heed to what the preachers had to say. If Jesus Christ had not been raised in all the faith, all the praying, all the dedication had all been an exercise in futility. It was all for nothing. Finally, Paul concludes that if Christ had not been raised and he himself and all of the other apostles now would not just have wasted their time, but they would be deemed as false witnesses or false prophets about God. You see, either Jesus Christ rose from the dead or they lied about it. There is no middle ground. There is no margin of error. This either really happened or it really didn't happen. And whatever the termination, the termination factor of that is, is going to bring, is going to validate the church or it's going to repudiate the church. And so it rises and falls on the shoulders, amen, of you and I today. But what were they going to do? These men who were in every other area of their lives, they were moral, they were pure, they were ethical, amen. They would have nothing to gain by saying that Jesus Christ rose from the dead if indeed he did not. In fact, their testimony to Christ's resurrection cost them dearly, amen. Follow me now. They didn't just walk around town saying this and everybody high-fiving them. They didn't just walk around town saying something like this and everybody said, well, pull up a chair and tell me more. No, they suffered great persecution because they were a follower of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they were opposed. They were beaten and some of them even killed. Despised in Athens. He was spoken against in Corinth and he endured beatings and hunger and sleepless nights and shipwrecks on and on and on. This was not a man who got caught up in a moment. This was not a man who just got caught up in an emotional season. He went to a three night revival and something got a hold of him. But this was a man that said, I was walking down the road on the way to Damascus and something happened that so powerfully impacted my life that he been, began to declare that what I've been doing, I've been doing wrong. Hallelujah, what I have been doing, I have been in error in gross error for because Paul had been persecuting the church, if you remember. Amen. Not, when I say persecuting the church, he wasn't waiting outside in the parking lot when they come out and just made fun of them. He didn't just, he didn't just walk behind them and, 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 uh, and make fun of them. No, Paul had been murdering them. He had had men and women put to death. Are you hearing me today? And so Paul was a man who laid everything on the line. Everything on the line. I know it's been mentioned often, but I think it bears, it, it bears never leaving too far from our conscience that Paul, what this great man that walked away from so much, this man who had to recant so much of his former life to be able to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It can't be lost to us that when he began to 
minister himself, there had to be a little resistance, a little bit of reservation among the church. And we need to figure out if this guy's for real because, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's a killer. <clears throat> Amen. And so we, we don't know whether we can trust him or not. I, I would be a little bit uneasy. I think you would be a little bit uneasy because when he walked into churches, there were, there were children sitting there fatherless because he had killed their father. There were women that were sitting there that were, that were widowed because he had killed their husbands. So this man had a lot on the line. This man had placed a lot on the line. And so we, that we, we gotta remember that, that when Paul begins to pick up his pen and talk about this, think about all that he went through, all that he had endured just to be a follower of the Lord. And so to conclude that he would just do this in order to, be, to wind up just a false witness is absolute nonsense. Amen. Someone doesn't surrender success for some crazy string of persecution unless they themselves are crazy. If you know anything about Paul, you know that he was anything but crazy. He was one of the most logical minds of the day. He had sat at the feet of the best. Amen. He was an heir apparent to many things. And so Paul was a very sharp-minded man. But if Christ had not been raised, then Paul said, and the apostles, that the testimony of the entire church and all of Christendom is false. And then he said, we have no faith. As horrible as that may be, we need to see yet one more truth that he points out. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 17, he said, if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. That's a horrible thing. But then he went on to say, ye are yet in your sins. And so not only do you not have faith, but if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then there's been no forgiveness of sins as has been projected. And so we are yet in our sins to think that we were forgiven and then to find out that we're not forgiven. He had this resurrection not happen, then we are still trapped by our past. He said, amen, every claim that Jesus Christ made would not be true unless he rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Amen. And so I'm going to tell you, he didn't leave much to question. He didn't leave much room for error. But he said, I am on a mission. And so you go ahead and destroy this temple. But in three days, I will raise it up again. He was speaking of his resurrection. He also said things like this. I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one, he said, takes it from me, but I lay down my life of my own will. I lay down my life of my own accord. If you think they are taking my life, you are wrong. You are wrong, but I'm gonna lay down my life because he said, I have the, the authority and I have the power not only to lay my life down, but I have the power to take it back up again. Hallelujah. I'm talking about resurrection power. The resurrection proves the deity of Christ and it makes his atoning death possible. You see, unless Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then his death, his death is just merely the death of another man. The heart of the gospel, the heart of the gospel is that Jesus Christ manifests himself in the flesh and died as payment for our sin. And no mere mortal man can do that. Hear me today. No mere mortal man can die. He cannot die for the sins 
of another man. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for the sins of all of humanity and only deity can atone for the sins of the world. The word of God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me. <laughs> I didn't do that just to wake you up, but sometimes we feel like we're, preachers always preaching to the other guy. That's me. I've sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Nothing righteous about me. Isaiah kind of really snapped it in perspective. He said, you sweep up all your righteousness in one pile, it's gonna be like dirty rags. So we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. And so it takes one whose value is infinite to pay an infinite price. If Jesus were not truly the son of God, then he could not obviously pay for the sins of the world. That's true, then we are still trapped in our sins is what Paul was saying. We're still in bondage, we're still in condemnation. Additionally, we have no future. In verse number 18, he says, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And so we're, we've preached in vain, your faith has been in vain, but there's a generation that's already gone on before us, they died in vain. They die believing some pipe dream. They, they die believing in vain and it will never happen. If Christ be not risen from the dead, then there is no future. This life is all there is. Now I'm gonna tell you, the Bible talks about how beautiful in the eyes of the Lord the death of his saints are. Death is not something that we readily or easily reconcile in our minds. It doesn't matter how long someone has been with us, I do know that helps temper the situation sometimes because the death of a loved one, especially a young person, a baby is very, very hard to kind of make sense of that and untangle that and so long life, that does kind of bring a little bit of temperament to the circumstances at large. But it is hard for us to really get it in our mind how beautiful and how precious it is, it is in the sight of God, the death of his saints. I'm gonna tell you that, that, that rarely are funerals an easy thing as far as easy is concerned. But I'm gonna tell you when somebody dies in the faith, oh, how wonderful it is to know that when someone dies in the faith that this is not the sum total of it all. Amen, I've stood right here over too many boxes, pardon me this morning, I've stood right here over too many boxes and, and when you know that man or that woman has lived a life of faith, I, I know that we sorrow in our heart and we're gonna miss them and, and there's gonna be an ob obvious absence and a void in our lives. But oh, what a deep-rooted consolation there is to know, <laughs> amen, this world is not their home anyway. They were, they were just passing through. <laughs> They weren't building their house out of block and brick and mortar. They weren't building their house and digging the footer too deep. No, no. It was just tent stakes they were driving in the ground. It was just tent stakes they were driving into the rock because they realized that one of these days, one of these days, the 
clock is gonna tick and it's gonna be my time, that appointment that I have with death. But if we're filled with his spirit, you see, death is not death to someone that's baptized in his name. Death is not death to someone that's filled with his spirit. No, no, no. Amen. Death is just leaving this world and going to another world. Hear me this morning. A life of peace and hope and resurrection in him. Oh, he said, if Christ be not raised from the dead, then the generation behind us have all died in vain. They've all died in vain. But I'm glad today to know that they did not die in vain. I'm glad to know that their faith was not fixed in something that was shifting sand. I'm glad to know that their faith was not something that was fluid. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But I'm thankful for that security of the rock that Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon and upon this rock will I build my church. I'm glad today for the rock, the security, the foundation of the church. Can we clap our hands to the Lord in Jesus' name? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then we die in our sins and we have no hope for heaven. Life is over. Heaven is just a cruel joke, just some kind of false hope. And then verse 19, this is one we quote a whole lot, but he said, Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. If I thought this was all there was to it, Life can be very disappointing. Yes. Hopes, dreams, plans. And don't stop hoping, don't stop dreaming, and don't stop planning. But hear me, hopes, dreams, and plans can all get changed with just one phone call. Just change it all. Just one accident, one misstep, one mistake. And it can all be altered. It can all be changed and everything that we thought. And so when you think about how fickle and how fragile life is, Paul said, if I thought this was all there was to it, I would be of all men most miserable. He was saying that if he had not been raised, then, then this whole thing we call life would just be in vain. If Christ has not been raised, then we have nothing to believe in. and We have nothing to, to, to help reconcile sin in our life. We have no hope for the future. The wonderful truths that have been comforting our hearts all of these years have have turned out to be just mere fables. The Bible says much about God's forgiveness. Now I'm gonna tell you that I take great consolation in these. After all of these years, I take great consolation in these. I'm glad to hear phrases like, you know the Lord knows just how to put it in our minds to make just enough sense to make no sense. I'm gonna put your sins as far away as the east is from the west. We go, wow, wow. I mean, I just want there to be no margin of error. I want you to understand that I'm gonna remove this as far as the east is from the west. That the Lord would say, I will remember your sins no more And we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then we say, how does he do that? How could you do that? (laughs) He said, I'm gonna cleanse you and I'll wash you. Isaiah 118. Though your sins be red as scarlet, 
I'll wash them whiter than snow. Then he said, I will release you from the condemnation and the guilt of your failure. That's a wonderful promise. But that is really a mystery because we can't release ourselves from condemnation. We don't possess the ability to release ourselves from guilt. So we, we shout about it on one, with one half of us and then the other half, we're kind of mystified and perplexed by that. How do you do that? How does that happen? And if it was all a lie, that would all just be a fairy tale. Amen, if he had not been raised from the dead, there would be no truth to that. But thank God that's not where the story ends. In verse number 20, he said, but now is Christ risen from the dead <laughs> and become the first fruits of them that slept. The truth is, is that Christ did raise from the dead. On resurrection morning, as the first rays of sunshine touched the tomb where they had laid the body of Jesus, it soon became apparent that the body was there no longer. God had dispatched his angel to roll away the stone. But hear me, and I know you've heard this a thousand times, but he didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. He rolled away the stone to let you and I in. Amen. Nothing could hold him. And we do know that... We do know that Jesus appeared multiple times during this period of time and that he appeared to some 500. There, were, there was one time that he would just walk through the wall of a room. So he didn't need the angel to move the stone to let him out, but he said, I need you to move that stone because I need you to let Mary and Martha and some disciples in. Amen, they gotta see this. They've got to see this. Why? Why? Because if Christ be not risen from the dead, this has all been a waste of time. And so move that stone so they can get in and see that indeed he is alive. Hallelujah. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know, I know. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad today to know that he lives? We can't comprehend it any other way but I just want you to understand that it all rises and it all falls upon the very day that we are recognizing today. Amen. On that resurrection morning, Jesus Christ didn't need the stone to be rolled away. The stone was rolled so others could peer into the majesty of what was unfolding. Because Christ has been raised from the dead, all the negatives become positives. We have true faith, true forgiveness, and hope for the future. Our preaching is not in vain, nor was the preaching of the apostles, by the way. Those who believed the preaching, they heard and they'd received, they received it pure, they received it undefiled. The ministry of the apostles was a witness to those who had seen the resurrected Lord with their own eyes. They were not deceived because Jesus appeared to them. They were not giving testimony of some mystical experience with the Lord. In truth, they did not even, some of them, expect to see him. They kind of walked away from the cross a little bit disillusioned, perplexed, disappointed, confused. They walked away from that cross not really understanding. You know why? Because they were cut out of the same fabric as us. Doubt pierced their mind too. And they were right there when he worked a lot of his miracles. They were standing right there when it happened. 
They were right there when he fed the 5,000. Their hands smelled like bread and fish at the end of the day. This wasn't something they read about. But they themselves walked away wondering. As a matter of fact, Thomas, poor fellow, has one bad experience and gets tagged for life. Amen. Doubting Thomas had to be offered tangible evidence that it was indeed the Lord before he would even believe. He appeared to his disciples over many days, appeared to 500, I mentioned a moment ago, run broad daylight, came forth from the grave, now alive. If the tomb was not empty, why didn't they produce the body? <laughs> the reason there was no body to, is because there was no body to produce. Jesus had really indeed come forth from the grave. Amen. I want our musicians to come if you will. Because the Christian faith is true, our faith, ladies and gentlemen, is not in vain. And you know, despite, let me just pause while our musicians are coming and say this. Despite what our culture, our, our Western culture and our society does today with days like today, despite what they do with it, I don't want to throw it away. They may mishandle it, and for some it may just be another day to have off. For some it may just be another reason for a store to close. For some it may just be another reason for a party. For some it may be about a lot of things. Apparently for many it's about buying chocolate. I stopped in a store yesterday on the way home to buy my wife some chocolate and there was nothing, there was just metal shelves everywhere. Apparently, there's a big connection to chocolate in here somewhere. <laughs> but despite what everybody else may do with it, I know what it means to me. And I know what I'm going to do with it. I don't care how many eggs you eat today, how many you hide, how many you find. That's not what this day is about to me. Eat all the chocolate you want to eat today. That's not what this day is about to me. This day to me is about he lives. He lives. We have new life imparted into us. We're born again and we stand not in our righteousness, but we stand in his righteousness. Those who have preceded us will one day greet us. I believe that. <laughs> I want it to be stated plain and clear. I believe that. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the saints of old. Amen. I'm not just talking about these. I'm looking forward to seeing some I grew up with in church. <laughs> I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to some hands of of ministers that have touched my lives through the years that have already gone on to their reward. I want to touch their hands again. <laughs> Yes, 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 I do. Yes, I do. One day there's going to be a great reunion. The earthly existence is going to give away to a heaven reality, heavenly reality. We have a future. Heaven awaits us and eternal life is, is ours through him. The church is not to be pitied. No, no. 
if you only understood, the church ought to be envied. But some people do pity the church. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. But hear me today. The church is not to be pitied. The church is to be envied. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The church is to be the church is to be envied not because of talent and ability. I'm not talking about that. The church is to be envied because He lives. The church is not to be envied because of a building or property or assets. Or the the church is not to be envied because of those things. The church is to be envied because one day on that great getting up morning. <laughs> Glory to God. Because he lives, I can live. Jesus himself says, I've, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, there's not only hope for us who sit here today, but there's hope for every man. To be sure, not just hope for the life to come, but I'm thankful for the hope that we have now. I'm thankful for the life that I live now. This is not, I'm not trying to endure till I get there to enjoy. I'm having a pretty good time. Amen. I've met people that didn't look like they were having a very good time. But I'm gonna have a pretty good time. I wanna enjoy as much of this as I can. It hasn't all been pleasant. I'm not trying to be ridiculous. There have been difficult days, days that I cried till there were no more tears, days that I questioned until there were no more answers. Days that I just wonder what in the world is going on, but I'm gonna tell you, if I had to do it all over again, if I had to start again in the morning, (laughs) if I had to start again in the morning, I'd say, sign me up. Sign me up. Hallelujah. Sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up. Amen. Amen. I have consolation that when life here is just more than I can bear, there'll be a day of no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears. Hallelujah. Life here counts for something. There's more to living than just existing. And if you're just existing, hear me today. There's more to living than just existing. Life has a purpose. Life has meaning. And because he lives, we can live. We're born again into a living hope. On that morning when Mary arrived at the tomb, she found it empty. It was empty because he was gone. He came out of that tomb so he could come into our heart. Jesus Christ lives so he can live in you and give you purpose and hope and meaning. He lives to bring us peace, to comfort our soul, to bring joy, are you hearing me? To our very existence today, today. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. You know, I'm not suggesting we do this, but I'm just saying this little song, this joy that I have, this joy that I have. This joy that I have. I'm, the world didn't give me that joy. And they can't take it away. 
And there's a difference between happiness and joy. There's a difference between feeling giddy and having joy. There's some days that I got joy, but I'm not grinning. There's some days that I've got joy, but I'm not laughing. What I'm facing is not laughable, but God's got something down in my heart. Yes, he's keeping me. He's holding me. He's holding me firm and holding my footsteps. And there are days that I'm not leaping through a troop and running through a troop and leaping over a wall. And there are days that I just ask the Lord, amen. There are days that I just ask the Lord to just hold my steps. Amen, elder, stand if you would. Amen, there are just days that I ask God, I, I, I may not be running. I may not just be tearing it up. But God, if you can just reach down and just hold my feet. Amen, don't, don't let me stumble. Don't let me fall. Don't let me, don't let me slide. If you just hold my feet, if you just hold me where I am today. Amen, and the joy of the Lord that just holds me during the storm. Hallelujah, just hold me, Lord. Just hold me, Lord. And I feel that hand of God that just, just kept me from sliding back. Amen, that, that hand of God. You know, Asaph said, I almost, my feet almost slipped. I got to looking at the wrong thing, thinking about the wrong thing. I got to focusing on the wrong thing. And he said, my foot almost slipped until I went into the sanctuary. Then the Lord started holding me. He started, he started holding me. Let's stand, shall we? What a great day. If Jesus Christ had not been raised, then life would just be meaningless. But he has been raised. And because he lives, we can live also. And so I say to you today that if you don't have the hope, the hope or the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to leave here without it. What a shame to talk about all this stuff and then just close in prayer and go home and have a good time. What I'm telling you today is that Jesus Christ is in this room. He didn't just, get, he didn't just come out of the tomb. He's here today. He's here today to meet our needs. He's here today to minister to the hearts that are in this house. And if you're here and you're hurting, we have a Savior who can touch you. If you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have to leave here without it. Amen, because he didn't just come out of the tomb for the sake of coming out of the tomb. He came out of the tomb so he said, I can come into your heart. I'm going away, but I'm gonna send a comforter, which is what? The Holy Ghost. Amen, that is gonna be in us. It's gonna be in us. I know many know this, but follow me quickly, quickly, quickly. I'm well under the two hour mark if I've been keeping up. <laughs> but in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, one man, one time a year, slip behind the veil into the presence of God, the holies of holies, what it was referred to. One man, one time a year, But that was just a symbol of what was coming. We're going to do this until a better day. And that better day was announced in Matthew. Because a baby's going to be born. And that better day was fulfilled when Jesus Christ went to the cross 
as a lamb slain. But when Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished, please don't stop reading there. Because the scripture says, behold, or turn aside and see, that the veil in the temple was torn in twain, or in two. And that means now that common man has access, free access to God. Amen. Jesus Christ, as I mentioned a moment ago, said that he was going to send the comforter, which was his spirit. That spirit would live in us. It was going to be written not on tables of stone, but it will be written in our heart. And so today, the Holy Ghost is something you want. It's not just something you need. It's something you want. The spirit of the Lord in you. It's felt good to be here today, hadn't it? Amen. It's felt good to be in the presence of the Lord, hadn't it? But you know what? Here's what I know is about to happen. In just a little while, all of you are going to gather up your Bibles and your purse and your belongings and hopefully every one of your children. <laughs> it has happened otherwise. And you're going to march out of this building and you're going to go on about your, your way. But you know what? Even in your absence, even in my absence, if I need to feel what I'm feeling right now, I don't have to wait till Wednesday. <laughs> I don't have to go run somebody down, but I have him living in me. Amen. I wonder if we lift our hands across this building. Our musicians are getting ready to play. Our singers are going to sing. These altars are open. I don't know of a better day to get the Holy Ghost than on Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. I know of a no better day to be delivered from sin, to be delivered from habits. Are you hearing me now? Amen. Then to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. He's not just here to make us feel better about ourselves. He's here to fix us. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 yeah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.